Welcome to Stuff You Should Know, a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh. There's Chuck. We lost Jerry some time ago, but this remains, as always, Stuff You Should Know, because Jerry's here in spirit. I can tell you that. Jerry's alive. Okay. That sounded very ominous. It totally did, now that you mention it. We lost She's Jerry. Here. She's here in spirit. No, Jerry's she alive. May not, she may not have ever existed. <laughs> Who knows? It's all one big weird dream, right? Yeah, did you see what I titled this episode, by the way? No, I haven't looked yet. Uh, bidets, colon, now more than ever. <laughs> That's great. Good job, man, because that is true. Like a, having a bidet right now can really keep you out of the rat race to find toilet paper. Dude, the first because you know I used to have one of the toilet attachments and it got mm-hmm. lost in the in the renovation and move, mm-hmm. and I kind of forgot about it. And the very first thing I did when I heard about this toilet paper surge was mm-hmm. get online and buy another one of those things. Yeah, yeah, we had just happened to get one um, for our other bathroom. Uh, right before all this happened. So we're all set on the rear situation with the water application. Clean bottoms. Yeah, I'm... So I was raised a toilet paper guy. Oh, of course. And I know how you feel about that. Middle-class kids. Every once in a while, though, I'll remember in our toilet paper episode, you went, I'm just going to come out and say it, wiping, using paper to wipe your bottom with, and that's it, is just gross, gross, gross. (laughs) It's dry paper. like, like, seriously, I hear that in my head a lot. It's hilarious. But um, to me, that's, that to me is like, okay, this, this makes sense. This feels normal. And I've gotten used to a bidet. But even still, like, I'm using a little bit of toilet paper there, too. Also, oh, yeah. we should probably say this episode is chock full of TMI. So just buckle in for that. But... Yes, I. if I use a bidet, I still use a little bit of toilet paper. Um, and the thing that I think got me out of the, all of this, Chuck, just want to say up front, is the science is still out on which one actually is more beneficial for you health-wise. There are people saying toilet paper is. Yeah, I've seen it. And I think this is what I suspect. Because there is such a dearth of studies on this, and some of the studies that have been done are showing mixed results— that it basically depends on how your doctor or whoever you're asking um, feels about toilet paper or bidets. That's that that that's what they're going to recommend. Your doctor or whoever, like the bus driver. <laughs> <laughs> My doctor drives a bus too. Yes, but these are hard times. All right, so we're talking about bidets, which is if you don't know what this is, uh, you have been living under a rock. But for a lot of Americans, and we'll get to why Americans haven't been hip to them a a bit later, but some Americans still might not be hip to these. A bidet is a little, and they can be different things, but the kind of classic modern bidet looks like another little toilet installed beside your toilet or near your toilet. Not quite right, though. There's something you can't put your finger on that ain't quite right about that toilet. Yeah, like if you walked into a room and you'd never see it, seen one before, you wouldn't be like, well, there's one for pooping and one for peeing. <laughs> yeah, that, I think that definitely does cross your mind. Either that or else you go, oh, girl. <laughs> but there are different ways that you can uh, have these modern bidets. Some of them have little uh, water streams that squirt up. Some of them have a little, uh, like a shower handle. 
Mm -hmm. Um, But the long and short of it is it's another appliance in your bathroom with water and a little basin that you straddle after you do your business and uh, and clean yourself up with water instead of dry toilet paper. That's the classic bidet, right? Yes, the classic bidet, not the bidet of olden days. No, no, no. Um, should we talk about the other types or go back to the olden days now? Let's go back to the olden days and we'll catch okay. up again. All right. That's a little tease, everybody. We're going to talk about other types of bidets eventually. Yeah, and I didn't see exactly. I saw anywhere from late 1600s to early 1700s. Yeah. Uh, but definitely European. And the first bidets, uh, the word means pony uh, or cob, which is a, a – kind of a short, little, short-legged, strong horse. Yeah, and, it, and at the time, the French were crazy about those kinds of horses. Yeah, and apparently that has something to do with how you're supposed to use it. I still don't fully follow that. So, like, these original bidets, it looked like a little kind of mini bathtub, but it also had something like a saddle shape, and you squatted over it like you would, almost like you were riding, like, a little cob horse. Okay, all right. Well, that makes a little bit of sense, I guess. And it also had, like, four legs... Coming out of the body, it, it did, you know, if you think about it, it kind of makes sense that it looks like a, a little tiny horse without the top half or a head or a neck or ears <laughs> or a mane or a tail or hooves. Yeah. But other than that, all that, it's the spitting image of a cob horse. Yeah, I think it looked they looked a little more like Ottomans with a little uh, chamber pot in the center. Yes, but Ottomans came from the Turks, and the French probably hated the Turks at the time because, you sure. know— that was geopolitics, so they would have never made that comparison, even though it was like this great elephant in the room. That's right. But these things were in uh, the bedroom in France in the early 1700s next to the chamber pot. And the very idea of uh, of pooping and peeing in your bedroom was pretty new. Like the outhouse was I – mean, you still had an outhouse, but from what I saw – Chamber pots and bidets were for nighttime business, like when, so you don't have to leave your bedroom. Right. Yeah. I mean, that, it's really kind of sweet if you think about it. It's luxurious sure. to just poop and pee in your, <laughs> your bedroom, especially on a cold night. But eventually people were like, well, there's a lot of cholera around. There's a lot of typhoid. We should probably move these to a separate room. And right. eventually they did. And they called those bathrooms. Yeah, or restrooms, or toilets. Or WCs. Or uh, poop station vills. Or loos. Oh, I've got one for you. I wanted to say this in the last episode we recorded, the wastewater episode. All right, let's hear it. So, you know the word loo means bathroom or toilet in the UK at least, if Mm -hmm. not more. And they think... So w- when we were in Edinburgh doing those shows, yeah. remember you took a nap and I got all bored, so I went and walked around the city by myself? Okay. Well, I went to old-time Edinburgh, like old-time, like 17, yeah, I went there 16. too. Don't make me up okay. that just some napper. <laughs> I must have been napping when you went because I don't know why you wouldn't have just gone with me when I tried to wake you up. But regardless— on this tour, maybe you'll remember this, the 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 um, the tour guide said that they think the word loo came from the Scotch people, the Scottish people saying guardy loo when they threw their waste water out into the streets. Oh, yeah, Like that's they would right. shout guardy loo. And they think that guardy loo came from guard de le, <laughs> which means watch the water <laughs> in nice. French. And so they think that um, Gardy Lou came from Wash the Water, and then Lou came from Gardy Lou, and then that's where we got that term for the toilet in the UK. 
I love that. That's that's one for your next dinner party. <laughs> oh, oh, I cannot tell you how many dinner parties I busted that out at. <laughs> so bidets, uh, back to the bidet, they are or were more of a high society thing. Like, you know, you were using an outhouse if you weren't, I don't know, necessarily aristocracy, but you had to be like middle and upper class to have a bidet in your bedroom or in your house uh, and probably a chamber pot even uh, for that matter. Well, for a couple of reasons, too. I think, one, you typically had servants who were going to take it away for you. That's number one. Yeah, you got to change that number, thing. Number two, right. And the number two, you know, if, if this bidet is basically just a wash basin with water, they didn't have running water at the time, which meant you had to haul water. So you probably had a servant hauling water for you as well. So, yeah, you were probably this thing that's, that, that was like a luxury to the rest of the world was just nothing to you because you didn't have to do anything. You just used it. You didn't have to do any prep or takeaway or anything like that. That's right. And they don't know for sure who invented it, but uh, this dude, Christophe de Rosier, uh, mm-hmm. made one for the French royal family in 1710. A lot of people point to him as being the inventor of the bidet. Uh, didn't take long, you know, within the next 30 or 40 years or so, they started having thing like uh, things like little hand pumps, so you could uh, kind of have a little rudimentary spraying device to help totally. yourself out. That's nice. It is nice. It is. I mean, because uh, prior to this, it was just again a wash basin that you would straddle and just kind of flip it up onto your underside, your fanny, as it were, with and your hand, right? With your hand, and eventually that that water comes back down and mixes with the water you're flipping up, and you reach some critical. Point, yeah. tipping point, as Malcolm Gladwell would put it. Yeah. And now you're just flipping poop water up onto your nether regions, and That's it's right. no longer helpful. So the idea that you could just sit there and, and spray a pump, a stream of water on there, and not have to just flick the stuff out of the basin onto you, um, that's an enormous advancement. And it came along pretty early. I think the 1750s, right? Yeah, that's about when the little spray spray thing came along. That's beautiful. And, Chuck, one other thing, too. I think about the same time that that pump handle came along, they also um, installed, like, a refillable tank. So you fill the water with tank, and the everything that was in the basin was all just wastewater. So you were good to go by 1750 as far as bidets were concerned. Yes, everything was totally clean and totally safe by 1750. <laughs> Nothing could possibly <laughs> go wrong. So these were big... Uh, Obviously, in Europe, uh, they spread. Italy and Portugal were really big on the bidet, still are. Uh, I saw Italy may have been the actual inventors of them and that the French possibly just popularized it. I could see that. Yeah. The French, they steal everything. <laughs> they did, but at the same time, they were also, they were a superpower at the time. And they were also basically global tastemakers. So once they became into, it got into bidets, the rest of the world followed suit pretty quickly, or most of the rest of the world. Not if you were England or America. You probably went, no, right. thank you, Frenchman. Yeah. Uh, South America, um, Argentina, Venezuela, they're pretty popular. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the Middle East, and of course, uh, Asia and Japan very much leads the way in not only bidet use, but bidet technology these days. Yeah, it's a classic example of what I've talked about before. The Japanese say, oh, I really like this invention. We can improve it by 130%. So let's do that. And that's exactly what they did. That's a good Japanese accent. (laughs) Thanks. I added a little vocal fry there at the end to make it particularly (laughs) confusing. So maybe let's take a quick break. Go clean our uh, bombets, as my daughter says, and we will... 
talk about what's the deal with America and why we hate cleaning our buttholes the right way. Right after this. So, Chuck, you were talking about buttholes, I believe, before the um, <laughs> break. Let's pick up. Let's pick up where you left off. Yeah, what's up, America? Why don't you clean your butthole the right way? I thought this was pretty interesting. There's a uh, a guy who I guess is a bidet expert um, who is speaking with the New York Times, and we happened to overhear it. He had some theories <laughs> about why. America didn't like bidets. And one you kind of touched on before, which was that England hated France at the time. They were rival world superpowers, much akin to America and the United States during the Cold War, or I mean, in the USSR, America, USSR, Draco versus Rocky during the Cold War, right? Um, So the English hated everything associated with the French, and they would just have never gone for bidets. But that seems to have carried over into the colonies like America, which is a pretty good theory for why Americans have never adopted bidets. Yeah, and those were, you know, in the early days of non-adoption. Uh, World War II happened, mm-hmm. and and this is uh, this sounded kind of int- like, I, I wasn't sure I believed this at first, but then I saw it in a different way in a bunch of different places, so I do believe it. Yeah. But apparently American soldiers uh, would go to brothels in Europe uh, and in Japan, and depending on what theater of war you were uh, stationed at, and you would see these bidets and you would associate it. And there were a few different things going on. You might associate it with sex work and think, ooh, gross. Um, at the time, the there were people that thought using a bidet after sex uh, could be a contraceptive practice. Not true at all. Well, yeah, they thought that douching was a uh, reliable contraceptive practice. And it wasn't until like the 20s or 30s where it was proven basically indisputably that, no, it basically does absolutely nothing. Absolutely. But the idea that you would use the bidet to do that um, kind of further associated it with sex work as well. Yeah, and then the other thing, which is incredibly sexist uh, and maybe throw in just a dash of misogyny, is that uh, women uh, on their period, it was uh, it hasn't been that long that uh, women have been able to get products uh, to deal with that and to talk about it as if it were just a normal thing that happens to the human body. It was very much under the table. Um, I think we should do something, man, if we if we dare go down that road on the springtime uh, flower blossom episode. <laughs> well, I was thinking maybe a shorty just on um, like tampons and maxi pads and the development of, of those things because it took way too long uh, for the for the awful, awful reason that manufacturers just didn't want anything to do with that. Right. Yeah, for sure. Um, I, I'm down. All right. Well, let's do it. But menstruation Sounds- had a lot to do with uh, bidets not being used in America because no one wanted to talk about menstruation for a long, long yeah. time. So you've got GIs returning from uh, overseas where they visited brothels and aren't particularly looking forward to introducing their wives to bidets because they associate them with sex work. They're also really useful for menstruation, which wasn't talked about at the time. 
Um, and then th- they they remind everybody of the king of France, who everybody hated. And you put those three things together, that makes it really difficult to market in America. And so they think that one or all of those reasons are why Americans never really got into bidets. Not until the Japanese said, hey, everybody, um, check this out. But we'll get to that. Not quite yet. Yeah. <laughs> um, another reason, and this was mentioned as a chicken or the egg thing, I personally think, because the idea is that uh, American bathrooms aren't big enough for this extra thing in there. Mm-hmm. But I think had we adopted it to begin with, we would have made our bathrooms a little bigger to fit these yeah. things personally. For sure. Don't totally. You? Because, I mean, our bathrooms are enormous now and they could totally fit a bidet. But if you if you look at most bathrooms, they like a master bath in the suburban house. Like, the bathroom's big, but the toilet's still small, the little toilet area. Yeah. So, yeah, I think we totally would have expanded our bathrooms to allow it. I think we just didn't need to have bigger bathrooms because we didn't have it. So, I say disdain for bidet led to smaller bathrooms rather than vice versa. Where do you fall? Yeah, I agree. Um, I'm kind of mad because this this was my chance when we renovated our house to put a real deal bidet in there. And Would you I, want one? Yeah, I didn't even think about it. Um, but like, you know, like you said, our our toilet is wedged in a little zone, like all toilets. Right. I, it, we could have made our shower smaller and stuck a bidet next to it, I guess. Uh, I but, can see you like <laughs> dropping your highlighter while you're researching this article. Like when it struck you, like, oh my I was God, pretty- I missed my chance. <laughs> um, interestingly, though, the um, kind of one of the bigger bidet models that, was popularized around the world, was invented by an American named Arnold Cohen in the 1960s. Yes, dude. So I had no idea about this, but the bidet seat that you use, that I use, that basically all Americans are starting to be like, hey, this is kind of awesome, that everybody in Japan uses, Mm -hmm. that a lot of people around the world use today, was invented by a guy named Arnold Cohen in the 1960s in the United States. Had Mr. Bidet. no idea. Yeah, I also saw him referred to as the Bidet King. Yeah, man, and God bless this guy. He tried his best. Uh, he created this thing for his dad, who was older and not doing too well, and we'll talk about medical benefits here in a minute. But um, mm-hmm. if you have uh, a rash back there, if you have a hemorrhoid or an anal fissure or something like that, um, there is some research, like you said, not enough, but some research that shows that a bidet can really be helpful if you have one of those conditions, and his dad did. So he was a former ad guy. He tried his best, and it just didn't quite work out in America for Arnold Cohen. Yeah, he he created a, a model called the American Sitz Bath, S-I-T-Z Bath. Which is weird because it's not a Sitz Bath. No, and there are Sitz Baths now, and I don't know if they predated it or and he just kind of adopted that or what, but he 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 basically took a, a toilet seat and modified it, added a foot pump to pump water under your bum with. Um, he, uh, he went to trade shows. He tried to market it as much as he could, and he also was very much ahead of his time. In that, and again, this is the 1960s, and he was a, still a young man at the time, um, that that he was trying to, he saw that it was a problem how much toilet paper Americans use. Yeah. That was one of his driving forces in addition to trying to come up with something that could help people like his dad who are suffering from rectal issues. Um, And he said, 
I think one of his quotes was, nobody wants to hear about tushy washing 101. Yeah. It's just too difficult to market. I know. And so he kind of he gave up, I guess, to an extent. And I guess sometime in the 70s, he either approached a company called Toto, which stands for Toyotoki or Oriental Ceramics in Japanese, um, or they approached him and they licensed his concept and kind of tinkered with it, made it better, made it much more automated, made it electronic. And um, they debuted the washlet in 1980 in Japan. And it took a little, like, getting used to over there as well. But in very short order, the Japanese kind of clomped onto it and it became, like, part of their culture as much as, like... Sushi? Uh, sure. <laughs> great. Sure. We did a great episode on sushi. We did. I, I was also going to say chopsticks, anime, um, cuteness. Who knows? Maple trees. There's a lot of stuff you could say. Sure, maple. Japanese maples. I got a couple of those. Yeah, they're beautiful, man. Do you have the kind of like sweeping spreading kind or the upright kind? I have one of uh, my favorite ones are the small low spreaders, and mm-hmm. I got a couple of those. I don't think they're going to be huge, but the way I have them in our garden is just very lovely. It's one of my favorite trees. Nice. Yeah, you don't want them to be huge when they're like that because they're supposed to be kind of subtle, understated, and like low-growing, you know? Yeah, boy, there's one around the corner for me that I just – I have Japanese maple envy in a big way. <laughs> it's It looks like a – it looks like a 12-foot umbrella that's about four feet off the ground. Wow. It's just that's gorgeous. Amazing. Yeah. I'll bet it's old. Yeah, it's got to be. I just want to sit in it every time I go by their yard. You could, you could probably lay under it and just – Did I say sit under it or sit in it? You said sit in it. Yeah, I meant sit under it. (laughs) Okay. You're going to be the weird neighbor who just sits in people's yards? Maybe. I've wanted to do that so many times, and I just, you know, I know you can't do it, especially as a grown adult. So what kind of bidet do you have? You don't have to buzz market, but I got kind of one of the, um, like a $75 model, but that go under your existing toilet seat. Mm -hmm. But I know that some of these Japanese models... It's actually part of the toilet seat and has dryers and they talk to you and all that good stuff. I will buzz, buzz, buzz because I love mine. I have two Toto washlets. Okay. And they it's not like the highest end one where like you stand up and it flushes automatically or um, it talks to you or has lights. They have some that have like UV lights built in. So when the lid shut, it like kills everything in, in sight. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's like a, it's like a good good washlet. It has, like, a heated seat and everything. Um, and, like, it's it's just wonderful to have. It's just really and, nice. And that's the one where it, the seat is part of the, the unit, right? Yeah, like, the whole thing replaces your toilet seat. And there's, like, a big kind of bulky contraption in back that I think is, like, a water tank and where all, like, the machinations are. But it's, like, you take your old toilet seat and you throw it out the window. Into your neighbor's um, yard under their yep, Japanese and, maple. Yep, next to your old spare tires and, and dead possums. And you replace it with this one, you know, bidet toilet seat. You connect it to the water supply, and then you plug it in, and there you have it. Hmm. I'm looking at this thing now. I kind of want to get one, but I don't have a uh, I don't have a power outlet over there. That can be a problem. So you have to. That's like an added cost a lot of the times, unless you're comfortable with just having like an extension cord and surge protector or something, which I'm is not. fine. It's not the end of the world. But if you're not, then yes, you need to have an electrician come oh, put man. a power outlet next to your. I, I really miss water the boat. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, because you could have done that when you were doing the could have done that. Oh, I'm sorry boy. I didn't warn you. No, that's all right. So I guess since we're talking about uh, bidet seats, I, I guess we should talk about the cheaper ones. You can get them for like anywhere from 30 to 50 bucks. And uh, like we said, that goes under your seat. And you have a little control uh, device on the side of your uh, toilet seat that you just turn on the spray and it shoots mm-hmm. out. Mm-hmm. Um, it's cold water unless you <laughs> have the means to hook it up to, to warm water. Um, but ours is cold water. So, you know, it's a, it's a little bit of a uh, of a wake you up in, in, in the morning, you know? Yeah, I'll bet. Is yours warm, I guess? Gonna... Yes, it is. It's warm. The seat's warm. It's just beautiful. I just want to it's poop so at your great. house now. It's You can come over and use it anytime <laughs> you want because I know you pee sitting down, so you're A-OK in my book. <laughs> But these washlets, so get this, man. The washlet, when it was introduced in 1980, and the washlet is like, I don't know what you'd call it, but they took Let's Wash and turned it into the washlet when they released it. But as of 2007, Toto had sold 17 million of these worldwide since about 1980. It is amazing. As of 2009, 12 years after that, it was 50 million. Wow. They sold 10 million since 2016. Or so, I'm sorry, 2019 was 50 million. 2016 was 40 million. So at some point along the way, a big portion of the world said, I like that. Yeah. I'm going to try it and I'm going to get one because the sales have taken off. Even before this um, coronavirus shut-in toilet paper run that we're experiencing in America. Yeah, I wonder, I was going to say if they had like a counter that said like 50 million clean buttholes, but <laughs> there's more than that because you have two buttholes in your house. <laughs> Right, exactly. You know? So, I mean, that's well, that's one of the things that people point to is like, well, you know, it's, there's a cost savings. If this thing lasts long enough, you'll eventually pay for – it'll eventually pay for itself in savings from having to buy toilet paper. Yeah, and you, well, you, and we'll get to the waste in toilet paper, but that is a problem. Yeah, yeah, because even if the cost thing doesn't quite work out, you are still – you know, it's coming close to breaking even. It's not like a, a complete – like waste of money but also money aside ecologically it's probably a much better thing than toilet paper by any measure any metric all right well should we take another break i think so all right let's take another break and we'll believe it or not uh we're going to tell you how to use these things right after this Okay, Chuck. So I teased it earlier. I think we should start with this uh, this this third act <laughs> by talking about the different kinds of bidets. We've already talked about two, right? Yeah. There's the the little cob horse bidet that looks like a tiny bathtub next to your toilet. There's the um, the washlet is a brand name, but it's almost become a proprietary eponym. It's so so um, so um, widespread. Yes. Um, but that's also called the bidet seat that you replace your toilet seat with. And then the third type is a hose that looks like, you know, the dishwashing hose that you have, like, as coming out of your your kitchen sink? Yeah. If, you, if it's, like, 1985. That, but next to your toilet. 
That's the third kind of bidet. It's called like a water wa- a wall mounted showerhead bidet. Yeah, I don't think these are nearly as common, are they? I didn't get that impression either, but when I looked it up, a lot of different images came up on Google Image. <laughs> I don't even want to do that. All right, so are we can we talk about how we use these things? Yes, but I just want to say one more time. Mm-hmm. I'm thoroughly engrossed by the wall-mounted showerhead bidet. Okay. I, uh, you you have to see one of these sometime. They're oh, just, no, I, I've seen pictures. I just haven't seen them in person. Okay, I got you. Neither have I, but I've just, I spend a good hour, like, staring at pictures <laughs> of these things and imagining, you know? Sure, the, all the possibilities. Okay. So go So go ahead. <laughs> I think this part, I cobbled this together from a bunch of sources from The Atlantic, from How Stuff Works, mm-hmm. uh, I think New York Times, but... Mental I, but, Floss, I think, was Yeah, Mental Floss, and I think this came from... How stuff works. This the step by step for how to use a bidet. Nice. And uh, the first step they say is locate the bidet. <laughs> <laughs> that is a good first step. I can't believe they put that in there. I thought, thought that was very funny. Uh, Actually, technically, their first step, if you're going by bullet points, was use the to- toilet as you normally do. Sure. Both for urination yeah. and for defecation. <laughs> That's step one as far as the editors of How Stuff Works is concerned. Oh, that is really funny. Um, Yes. And uh, actually, they do point out in that step one that whether or not you wipe a little with toilet paper first, Mm -hmm. I I wouldn't do that. I would – and how I do it is I wet my bum first with a a good spray, and then I use just a little bit of toilet paper. And that's the great thing is is you're not using nearly as much. You can just use a few squares – to kind of just make sure everything's cleaned up and dry if you don't have a fancy pants dryer like yours. Yeah, I've found that the dryer takes so long that oh, I, I, I don't figure. have the patience for it. No, who does? You know, crazy psychos, maybe. Unless That's you're, it. you know, got a good book or something. <laughs> sure, an Uncle John's bathroom reader. That would do it. That would keep me on the can long enough to air dry with the blow dryer. Or a little book coming this fall. Oh, yes. Shall we plug it? I think it's a great time to plug our book. It's called Stuff You Should Know, An Incomplete Compendium of Mostly Interesting Things. That's right. Coming to bookstores this fall. You can pre-order now. And mm-hmm. uh, I think all signs are still full bore ahead. Yeah. Even though uh, we're in the midst of a global pandemic. In fact, hopefully they're thinking this is just what people need. Yeah. And hopefully it is. And at the very least, it is guaranteed to keep you on the toilet until your legs go numb. That's right. So, where uh, are we That's an now? old George Carlin joke. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. What, to sit on the toilet till your legs go numb? No, he did some, like, some, he was talking about some game show, and one of the contestants was introduced, one of her hobbies was sitting on the toilet until her legs went numb. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> Which is not good for you. Uh, they say, especially if you have hemorrhoids, it can make that a lot worse. So, you're supposed to do your business and get off. I could totally see that. You're also not supposed to, like, watch TV in bed. Bed's supposed to be for sleeping. So if you ever have trouble getting to sleep, um, they suggest that you, like, go read out on the couch until you start to get drowsy and then go to bed and fall asleep so that you'll your body and your mind will start to associate bed strictly with doing your sleeping business. I say poo-poo to that because I love watching TV in bed. Yeah, hey, I'm with you. It's a nice, <laughs> nice little treat. It's great. I get why people don't do it, but, uh, you know. I'm not one of those people. Hey, to each his own, we always say, right? That's to right. each their own. To each their own. Yeah. All right. So uh, I guess we're at medical. Oh, no, wait. We we located the bidet. 
right, right. You've done your business. Uh, To me, the downside of having the separate bidet is you do your business and then you got to get up and like remount another device. So like you've got it going on with your your fancy pants uh, wash light, I think. I think that's why I was so surprised that you wanted a regular bidet because there's like a whole drippy um, step moving (laughs) from one to the other, you know? So, yeah. Well, hopefully not. I think when you get a washlet, you're not going to want a regular bidet any longer. I can't get a washlet, dude. I don't have the power. I need that you outlet. Can, you can hire an electrician to come run an outlet. It's very oh, easy. Oh, I know. I know. No, I, I'm going to look into that. You're right. Okay. You're going to love it, Chuck. Okay. Okay. Well, does yours talk? I forgot. No, it doesn't talk. That would be amazing. I've never seen a talking one except on The Simpsons. Oh, well, maybe that's where I got it. <laughs> There was, yeah, because there's that one that says, I am honored to accept right. your waste. <laughs> I think that's where I got it. Surely some of them talk, right? Uh, Probably. I think Japan is famous for, for talking appliances, right? Sure. And just having like weird random stuff written on their appliances. Yeah. I mean, mm-hmm. I've talked about that rice maker. I think you have the same one or one of the same versions. Uh, that thing makes all kinds of fun sounds. Yeah, the... Uh, um, Oh, hey, while we're talking about this stuff, let me say, um, Mike's Mighty Good Ramen it's good, hooked huh? us up, dude. <laughs> yeah. That was so nice. Well, like, um, First of all, thank you for mentioning it because you got us hooked up big time. I did not but, anticipate that much ramen coming. No, like a box full of Mike's Mighty Good Ramen basically saying, hey, thanks for the shout out. So um, I had never tried it before and it is really good stuff and we have a bunch for free. Which is nice because it also stores really well, too, during times like this. Yeah, and I had already also purchased about $100 worth, (laughs) and it all kind of came at once. So I have literally a big moving storage bin full of Mike's Mighty Good, and I eat it for lunch every day. Today I had the uh, vegetable coconut milk lemongrass, and it is delicious. Yes, it is amazing. I think the beef is my favorite so far. Oh, I love that spicy beef. Have you augmented yours yet? No, I'm I'm a novice still. I'm just kind of taking it little by little. But I saw that on, they have like a recipe card for suggesting how to kind of dress it up a little bit. Yeah, I mean, I usually just because it's a good, good quick meal to go and uh, mm-hmm. pretty low calorie, very low calorie. But uh, the other day I did have some beef brisket and I minced that up really uh, small and I cooked, a, I did a boiled egg and uh, cut that thing in half and it was so good. Man, that sounds good. Yeah, I mean, we don't buzz market much, but it, it is delicious, and they hooked us up. So thank you, yeah. Mike. Yeah, and thank you also. Um, the thing that made me think of it was the Zoji Rushi rice makers. Mm-hmm. They liked us talking about them, and they're like, hey, you guys want some? You want a thermos? Yeah. <laughs> Which is pretty nice, too. Maybe I'll get a washlet. Yeah, Toto brand washlets are really <laughs> great, Chuck. I can recommend them highly. <laughs> All right, so uh, let's talk about um, medical uses. Uh, there, like you said, there hasn't been a ton of research, and there has been a little conflicting research. But a lot of doctors, uh, GPs, do say, and specialists, if you have colitis, if you have IBS, if you have Crohn's, if you have colon cancer, then a bidet seat might be uh, right up your alley to help you out back there. It it will be, but also, Chuck, I just realized we never finished saying how to use the bidet. Well, no, I, you know, you squirt your butt. Right. 
and it said that you either could dry it, pat it dry, or have a dryer. What okay. El- what else is there? So, oh yeah, you we did make it through that. Wow, it just went so quickly. <laughs> I think one of the things just I want to point out really, really, really quickly is that like the whole point of it is that you're using water to clean off your bottom in the exact same way that you would use toilet paper to clean off your bottom um, or your other bits, depending on if you have other bits down there. Mm-hmm. How do you how do you put this? I don't know. Well, whatever. Um, I, I think you did a fine th- job. Thank you very much. But and some people prefer to use toilet paper to dry off, like it sounds like both of us do. Some people just air dry, um, or they use the bl- blower attachment or whatever. But like that's it. There's nothing more to it. I've read that some people use soap, which is crazy to me. But okay. <laughs> and then some people, Chuck, I ran across this. They don't even use a bidet. If they poop, they take a shower afterward. Have you ever heard of anything like that before in your life? No. Uh, you know, I would say that's a, an extreme uh, a clean freak germaphobe. Clean freak is probably not a nice way to say it, but there are from probably people saw, that have legit phobias about that stuff. But from what I saw, there's a significant number of people, at least in the United States, who, like, you poop, you take a shower. That's just what you do after you poop. Interesting. I would take I, seven showers a day. It'd be a water crisis just from you. I know. What a waste. So, well, yeah, that is a huge waste. Um, And that's actually kind of a a criticism of bidets is like, well, you're using water instead. But as we'll see in a little bit, you're using a resource one way or another down there. So there you go. But, uh, okay, so you were talking about um, medical issues. Sorry about that. No, that's all right. Um, I talked about all the the ones dealing with your bottom. But um, apparently, and this is... I don't know how much research they've done on this, but apparently they can help out with UTIs as well if you get frequent UTIs. Yes, and here's how. They suggest that um, if you are a woman, you use uh, the bidet on your woman parts before and after sex, and that that will help cut down on fecal bacteria entering your vagina and becoming part of your vaginal microflora, which can lead to UTIs. Interesting. I thought that was pretty interesting as well. Um, and guys, don't and take th- offense. Well, no. You know, sure you can get a prostate infection from from not keeping very clean down there. No, I just mean you know if you if you make love oh, and then your girlfriend or wife jumps up and runs in there and and cleans out real good. Just, yeah, just be I, a man about it. Right. You should probably not take offense to that kind of thing. Should we be talking about this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. We haven't crossed the line yet. Okay. I good. think. I think. You established a new line in the um, student loans episode. Oh yeah, so I right. think we're we're well within that. <laughs> well, my my reasoning there is if there are any like elementary school kids listening to student loans, then they're uh-huh. little Alex P. Keatons. They can handle it. Alex P. Keaton, man, what a great great shout out there. Yeah. Uh, what else here? If you're uh, elderly and if you have arthritis or something, yeah, it, it's tough, man. If you uh, you might just physically have a harder time. Wiping your bottom after you use the bathroom. And yep. uh, apparently, as you age, one of the single biggest factors for staying independent, like you can still cook, you can still clean, you can still take care of yourself, but uh-huh. you might have a hard time wiping your bottom. You can still stay independent uh, if you can get that bidet going. Yes. And again, if you're sitting there like, just like, wait, what are you guys talking about? If you were raised on toilet paper, from from what 
there's a huge divide right now in the world. Apparently, a good three-quarters, two-thirds to three-quarters of the world does does not use toilet paper, or they use it much more sparingly, and they use a bidet instead, Mm -hmm. and they consider that clean. They consider using toilet paper unclean. And this, 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 whether toilet paper or bidets are clean or unclean is so culturally ingrained that it's almost unimaginable considering one cleaner than the other, depending on what you've been raised on. But that is the case. And they've done a lot of, well, they haven't done a lot of studies, but some of the studies they've done have shown like, yeah, this actually is cleaner. Or no, this isn't as clean as you think. Um, But one thing that really kind of stuck out to me, Chuck, was the idea that water alone can make you cleaner than wiping your bottom, which makes total sense if you step back and think about it because mm-hmm. all you're doing is wiping paper on your bottom. But to me, it's like you're, you're getting stuff out of there and, and you're getting it away, which I guess you're doing with water as well. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's, that's kind of it with, I mean, like you said, they've done some studies uh, and they have shown that it can ease some of these symptoms of anal fissures and hemorrhoids. There's something called itchy anus that it can help with. That mm-hmm. is a real thing. Uh, but there was also a study uh, about 10 years ago in Japan that said if you use a warm water bidet uh, and if you're a woman, it can uh, kind of jostle loose your microflora uh, mm-hmm. in your vagina and it can just kind of knock things out of whack down there. And it can lead to more v- uh, vaginal bacterial infections. Yeah. So in the study, it was like 268 women um, and they found that normal micro microflora was not present in 43% of bidet users and only 8% of non-users of bidets had uh, normal microflora not present. That's pretty significant. Totally. And then of, of the 50 out of the 268 who had fecal bacteria present in their vaginal microflora, 46 of that 50 used bidets. So that was a really surprising thing to a lot of people because they're like, no, 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 this is this is clean. Yeah. Um, this is way cleaner than using toilet paper. And this study suggests that that's not necessarily true. Now, was that for only for warm water, though? From what I saw, yeah, it was okay. warm water. Yeah, use that cold water. Sure. It really gets you up in the morning, like you said. <laughs> uh, and then I guess finally we're at the point where we talk about just uh, toilet paper. We covered toilet paper in our episode on toilet paper. But mm-hmm. as a reminder, uh, about 90% of toilet paper in the United States comes from Canadian forests. Um, and that's not cool. Uh, Americans represent uh, less than 5% of the world's population, but we use 20% of the world's toilet paper. And that's got to stop. Yes, dude. So those Canadian forests, they're talking about old growth boreal forests. Yeah. And there's a term I saw, the tree-to-toilet pipeline. I saw 27,000 trees a day go down the toilet in the form of toilet paper. Yuck. And again, this is mostly old-growth trees. Um, and I guess the toilet paper industry in the United States is like a six, $6 billion industry from what I saw. Yeah. So, yeah. There's a lot of, I think each American uses about 40 rolls of toilet paper every year. The average household uses 150. There's a lot of room for improvement. And that's a big, big plus for bidets that you, even if you still use toilet paper to dry off, you're using so much less than you would without a bidet that it's, it's um, you're just saving 
tons of trees by using a bidet. That's right. Uh, you are using water, but if you've ever used one of these uh, seat attachments or seats like you have, it's not a ton of water. Um, it's not like a bathtub or anything like that, you know? No, not at all. It's um, And if you have, you know, the more advanced your your bidet is, and it, it doesn't have to be like the most high-end bidet for this to happen, but I mean, like, pretty quickly as far as technological development goes in the bidet you get, um, the amount of water is going to be much more efficient than, you know, just like, say, squirting a a dishwasher hose up there. <laughs> I'm just fascinated by that. It's pretty great. You got anything else? I got nothing else. Well, there you have it, everybody. There's bidets. We told you there's going to be a lot of TMI, and we delivered. And since That's I right. said TMI, everybody, it's time for listener mail. Uh, this is from Mary Kerr in Buffalo, New York. Hey, guys, been listening to Stuff You Should Know for years. It's been my companion on uh, many a morning run, road trip, and just tidying up around the house. I listened to uh, the shorty on 666, and Chuck mentioned his license plate had 666 in there. I thought of the story uh, about my brother Matt. He recently moved to Wisconsin and was at the DMV to change his license plates. The DMV employee handed him his new license plate number, which was 666MPH. <laughs> like 666 miles per hour. I know. I'm I'd love it. Not bad. Uh, the employee looked at the plates and said, uh, do you want a different number? And he thought about it for a second, and he thought a different number would be best uh, so that he didn't appear to be a speeding Satan lover. Oh, my. And so the uh, the DMV employee graciously changed out the plates. Um, and I'm not going to read what plate they changed it out for because it's just now occurring to me that I don't want to out uh, her brother's license plate for some reason. Oh, that's, that's true. It was... Um Ass man. <laughs> uh, she said, just a silly story I couldn't help but share. Thank you for your uh, knowledge, levity, and distraction that you've provided over the years, especially in this time of stress and uncertainty. And keep doing what you're doing. And that is from Mary in Buffalo, New York. Nice. Thanks a lot, Mary. Much appreciated. Um, although I do have to say personally, I'm a little disappointed in your brother, but that's okay because he probably doesn't care. Yeah. If you want to get in touch with us like Mary did to, so you can hear that we're disappointed in your, um, your, your sibling, well, you can send us an email then. Wrap it up, spank it on the bottom, and send it off to StuffPodcast at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff You Should Know is a production of iHeartRadio's How Stuff Works. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.